Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of Diminishing Returns. Uh, as always, I am Sol and joining me is Alan. Hello. And uh, an extra special, really exciting guest, I think, this this week. Uh, we are joined by Mr. Tim Bat. We are basically piggybacking off his incredible piece of, I, I would almost call it performance art, the worst idea <laughs> of all time this week, which is one of the podcasts I uh, listened to when I was first getting into podcasts. It, it was a very um, formative show for, <laughs> for, for me from a podcast uh, point of view. I, I must have mentioned it on the show before, Alan. Have I? Yeah. But uh, yeah, for anyone listening who doesn't know, The Worst Idea of All Time is a show where Tim and his co-host Guy, uh, they watch and review the film Grown Ups 2 every single week for a year, and then other films in, in subsequent seasons. And it really is just a, a portrait of people kind of inflicting a breakdown upon themselves. It's Yeah, that's accurate. It's a good description, <laughs> I think. So yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, I I, I know you've, you know, answered questions like this before, but I, I've got to ask, you know, why, what led you to, to start the concept of, of that show? Why Grown Ups 2? The why. The why is the question, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Um, and it's one that we've been asked so many times because we started doing this podcast, ooh bloody nearing on eight years now and i still don't think we've got a good answer for that but the <laughs> the closest i can get to is that <clears throat> it was kind of the worst idea of all time which is the the podcast it sort of it was a, a solution in the middle of a bunch of things we were trying to do so um a guy and i met on a tv show that guy was hosting for public access uh it wasn't public access. It was a, it was a free-to-air youth-focused TV station that lasted a very short amount of time in New Zealand. It was a bit of an experiment. And um, I came on and reviewed toilets as a segment on a Monday night. <laughs> and um, Guy and I, it was I think that was the first time I'd met Guy. And I just came on because I did a bit of stand-up. Um, I was just sort of starting out back then. So I was like, this is a great idea. This will be a funny segment. And we instantly had this on-screen rapport where we were just super antagonistic to one another particularly guy to me and we headed off immediately and just um it was quite good to the point where a lot of guys friends were messaging him being like you need to lay off that tim guy like he's <laughs> he's going through some stuff he's trying to do a public service here reviewing restrooms and you really you're kicking a man while he's down um so it was it was a lot of fun and it garnered a bit of a sort of fan following in its own way and then the station went away um, I was working in radio at the time and we just thought of it one day as a project to continue doing something fun together there was a there already back then there was so many movie review podcasts I think movie review was kind of you know like the OG genre of podcast in a lot of ways <laughs> And, and I just wanted to find like, well, what's the twist that we could do on that? And it just, a movie review podcast where the movie never changes just struck me as like the funniest <laughs> possible subversion <laughs> of, of the genre. And then the funniest thing, a sequel to a movie we hadn't watched that was notoriously <laughs> average. It just seemed 
you know, it ticked all the boxes. Well, I, I mean, it worked for me because, you know, I, I've certainly spoke about it on spoken about it on this show before that I don't really, as much as I do a film podcast myself, I don't really enjoy listening to them. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and your show is very much one of the exceptions to the rule. It, it really oh, is. Sweet. Just, and you know, I, I'd never watched Grown Ups 2 either until the other day in preparation for this record. So that was a really quite surreal experience because I I, I had seen Grown Ups years ago, and I had to basically double check several times that I was definitely not watching Grown Ups, uh, and I was watching Grown Ups too, because bits of it <laughs> seemed so familiar from hearing them, you know, discussed in detail yeah, for yeah. 52 plus hours. Um, it was really bizarre. Deja, deja vu. Well, bizarre for you. I just watched it for the first time in like <laughs> seven years for the 55th time, I think. <laughs> oh wow is, is that the first time you've gone back to it uh since or yeah why the hell why would i revisit it it was just for you two it was just for you guys just for <laughs> just, this podcast just check in every, once a year just check no, in see I, it hasn't I, put it, I, <laughs> I thought i'd never have to revisit this this film again in my life well i mean a, another show that uh you're involved with that i'm also a big fan of is um till death do us blart which is <laughs> Much the same thing with uh, Paul Blart, Morcott, but that is once every year for all time. So That's right. Yeah, I suppose you wouldn't want to throw Grown Ups 2 into the mix as well. But yeah, Alan, I I recall this being a, a real bone of contention amongst <laughs> us. At uh, Alan and I met at university, we did a film course. Um, so, you know, we're kind of poncy, pretentious film people. and um, <laughs> Someone should be. I, I remember Alan being the guy who liked grown-ups and everyone else on our course kind of, you know, giving him a hard time for it. Is is well, that accurate, Alan? Well, you know, my my weakness in terms of film is comedy. Like, just silly comedy. I can sit and watch it, not mm. analyse it, just enjoy it. Uh, yeah, whatever, it's fine. That's why I like Vince Vaughn, right? Yeah. Alan is famously a fan of uh, the Big Mama's House trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So I think I watched it on that level and just was like, yeah, it's good. They're having some fun. It's fine. I was, I will say I rewatched Grown Ups uh, oh, did prior you? to this. And yes, the the cracks are certainly there. And, um, <laughs> I, and I, I still think that when I watch that, I get a sense that they're having fun together and it's generating enough comedy because they are skilled comedians that it's watchable. I wouldn't say it was good. Yeah, I get where you're coming from, yeah. But then, of course, I did watch Grown Ups 2 as well, which is a significant drop <laughs> in Is it quality. really? Because I, <laughs> yeah. as I say, I watched Grown Ups, I think I may have watched it with you even when we, we moved in together briefly maybe, after yeah, university maybe. as a kind of house, go on then, let's see how bad this film is, and... <laughs> I, I don't remember anything about it, but I, I had given it 2 out of 10 on IMDb, which suggests that I didn't <laughs> like it. But I didn't, I chose not to rewatch it for this, because I thought, well, I, I want as close to the Grown Ups 2 experience as possible, which is I think you watch it as a standalone <laughs> yeah. film. <laughs> well, I, I I'll say then that, um, yeah, Grown Ups uh, at, at least has a plot. Uh, first of all, <laughs> okay, it's, yeah, that's it has a, a central there. plot. Um, yeah, and it feels like they're working towards an end goal yes. and riffing and improving a little bit within that, as opposed to everyone perhaps accidentally bumping into each other at a barbecue and yeah. filming it. Because if I've only seen Grown Ups once ever, 
And for a memory... That's the appropriate number of times, by the way. I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, wait till I tell you about grown-ups too, my friend. Um, <laughs> the first one centers around them coming together because the high school coach, I think, who was like this beloved figure, passes away and they all go to the wake. Well, yes. And Lenny Fader is been this hometown boy made good in Hollywood and, and comes back to that's, see his mates. That's it, yeah. Although actually, you say high school coach, the flashback we see is them at age 11 or maybe 12, and it seems to have a really... And they win the like the 12-year-old big game. Right. Um, and that seems to be the crucial moment in all their lives, which is weird. It's like it's not the big high school championship. It's some weird little <laughs> little league thing. But the the coach has remained a presence in their lives for some reason. <laughs> that was the highlight. You know, things didn't get That's, better after age yeah. 12. That's the indictment. Exactly. You, you were a fan of Grown Ups, Alan. How come you didn't watch Grown Ups 2 until now? I had seen it. When I watched oh, it again, okay. I watched it last night and definitely I remembered bits of it. So I'd definitely seen it. Although... I, it, it was vague memories. I don't know what circumstances I watched it under, but maybe it's just a very immemorable film. We, we've we never really touched on Adam Sandler on this show before, but it, it is odd mm. that you like grown-ups. Touch on him now. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I remember making you watch Jack and Jill as a kind of, this'll be <laughs> a lot, this'll be so bad it's good, we can enjoy Al Pacino, you know, doing yeah. whatever he's doing in that film. And you were really angry about it. You did not like Jack and Jill at all. And I find that odd because... You find that odd? <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a good film, but it's kind of the same thing that no. Grown Ups is, surely? No, no, no. Well, I think... No. So I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to stop you there. <laughs> Jack and Jill is on a completely different plane of cinematic existence to almost <laughs> any film I've ever seen. I, that, 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 you were asking why Alan got mad? I totally understand that. It is infuriating. <laughs> well, to be fair, I wasn't really watching the film so much as I was watching Alan react to the film, so I probably remember it being more fun than it you was. You should give it a proper go and really experience that movie because it is shocking. If that's what it is, and, and it's same with Grown Ups 2 as well. It's I think what's really annoying about it is the laziness. It's it's the complete yeah, lack yeah. of effort. The 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 knowledge that they can sh take a shit on a plate and serve it to you and people will eat it. And and knowing that and not caring uh, and, and just going, okay, I'll do that. 20 million? Okay, cheers. <laughs> well, I mean... What, uh, and I, I appreciate people sell out, but... <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that really struck me with the film was how it seemed like all the cast and there's a lot of really talented people involved in this film it seemed like all the cast were bringing their absolute a-game to their performances like they were they weren't just phoning in those performances they were really going for it are we talking about grown-ups too now yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i disagree i'll give you david spade <laughs> but i won't give you chris rock that is not chris rock in, <laughs> in, in any way oh before. i don't know I, yeah okay to be fair i mean chris rock's not the best actor he's as much as i like him he you know i yeah, i rarely see him stand up yeah yeah <laughs> He's a director now. You know, John Lovitz was giving it all he had. and Yes. 
Um, I'm trying to remember who I, I mean, there's so many people in it. Steve Buscemi certainly was, you know, bringing a lot more to it than he needed to for his little... Selma Hayek? Yeah, yeah, she was, you know, I, I, I was really surprised at how invested everyone seemed to be in the film. And I, I guess that probably speaks to, well, they are all just a bunch of friends having a nice time together. And, you know, they couldn't be bothered to write a film to shoot when the cameras were rolling, but now they're yeah. there, they're going to put some effort in it was they're very they're very good actors i think it would be very hard for a professional sports person to you know calm down and play social footy you know what i mean <laughs> and by the same token i think it's quite hard for steve buscemi no matter what script he's delivered or context you know the cinema cameras are arriving in it's hard for him to not go a hundo with his <laughs> yeah. putting his foot foot down on his performance but apparently it's very easy for adam sandler to do that uh, which perhaps <laughs> that's his skill and well, as a professional he can just turn it off and go well, do you know what i'm not gonna write this script i'm not gonna try and act <laughs> yeah but, well how how do we feel about adam sandler then because i mean you know for me he was a fairly big part of of my you know teenage years um there, there was probably a time where I would have said Little Nicky was maybe not my favourite film of all time, but top five. Uh, I definitely wore out that VHS tape I had. Um, everyone at school loved Happy Gilmore, and you know I remember I remember someone bringing that in one day to get us to watch it at school on like the last day of term. They let us put a video on, and someone brought Happy Gilmore in. So you know I have quite fond memories of Adam Sandler, but then obviously. You know, it's no secret there is a very distinctive moment when he retired to his, you know, Hollywood mansion and stopped making art. <laughs> it just well, became, you know, commerce. This is the amazing thing about Adam Sandler is that he came back. Like, mm. Punch Drunk Love came out, what, that was a while ago now, six, seven Probably years? Probably nearly 20 years now is it punch drunk love what two thousand really it was 2000 and something right oh my god was okay it? i don't know if i've actually ever seen it but i know he was um he was very lauded for his performance on that and the movie that i have seen very recently was um uncut gems oh which yeah I'm, I'm sure you guys checked out that's the one adam sandler film we have touched on on this podcast and yeah i i, I can't remember alan did you like it i i know i was a very big fan i uh, yeah i liked it but I don't think it was quite a revelation that people see. I've seen Adam Sandler do some great acting. And, oh, he's a very good and, and actor, straight yeah. acting as well. Not even necessarily all that comedic. So, mm. um, you know, the uh, uh, the example that's jumping to mind for me is uh, yeah, Punch Drunk Love. What's the other one he did uh, more recently? Funny People. Funny People, which is obviously is a comedy, but, you know, a bit more straight. I was a huge fan of Funny People when it came out because it was so clearly, you know, Adam Sandler playing himself and addressing <laughs> what he'd done with his career. Uh, well, I think I think some of the, the crucial things we're dealing with here is the difference between Adam Sandler as a performer and Adam Sandler as a writer and creative force behind the project mm, that he's doing. Mm, yeah. And I think that's probably the major difference. Um, perhaps we have to accept that Adam Sandler's sense of humour is sort of crude and <laughs> pathetic and childish. Well, I, I do, I do think he's somewhat aware of what he's doing. I, I, I like that, you know, in the there was a lot of talk of him getting an Oscar for Uncut Gems, and then you know, of course, he didn't even get nominated. But he said in the promotional tour for it that if he didn't get a nomination, he was going to make the worst film he possibly possibly could as revenge he said he was going to make grown-ups three <laughs> <laughs> I, 
he, he's done he's done a film since, hasn't he? Was was that Hubie Halloween thing that I saw oh, pop up yeah, on yeah. Netflix? Was that after Uncut Gems? I think he might have done a few of those, perhaps of those kind of Netflixy what what formerly was known as a straight to video style yeah. movie, the no home <laughs> video. But I guess it's you know everything is streaming now, even if it's big. Um, but I I've because he had a deal with Netflix to do was it seven movies a little while ago. It, it was it was one of the first sort of huge huge streaming deals that yeah they made when Netflix was kind of taking off. Yeah, I think he's about halfway through through that deal now because he he did that film with Jennifer Aniston. And that Western that I know you watched, Alan. Yeah, that The Ridiculous Six, that's what it's called. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for something to replace Grown Ups 2, that's a good example. That's the same thing, really. It <laughs> is just an inexplicable series of sketches that aren't funny. Actors embarrassing themselves. It's unbelievable. Uh, and Grown Ups 2 definitely falls into that. But at least with Grown Ups 2, you you get the sense that they're having fun together. Where on that, you don't at all. It's it's really um, quite well, Were they shooting out in the desert? That's probably the difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah they weren't actually shooting at Adam Sandler's summer house. <laughs> you know, um, by virtue of the project of just spending a whole year watching and reviewing this one film, we became... Guy and I sort of a magnet for information um, about the the production of the film, and some people who worked on Grown Ups Two got in touch with us as well. And uh, <laughs> your assumptions are one hundred percent correct. Like those guys were fucking around hard. There was apparently a lot of basketball being played um, by the leading men, to, so much so that it was sort of endangering budgets and timelines and stuff. Which I think is <laughs> why you get this sense that some of these scenes are like so rushed, and it's like, was that really the best? take of you know of, of that ad lib scene it's because they were playing basketball the whole time that is a crucial difference between that and the the first film i i think that that's probably the difference it's like the first film they've done three goes at it and they've picked the best one you know they've all improved some limes and they've cut that cut them in whereas this one it feels like they've had one go at it and gone yeah all right and it's just not as funny uh, so you and these guys you know they're all comedians uh, they are all generating their own material so you have them riffing off each other it should work but at the same time i mean my my knowledge of groups of comedians particularly sort of that era um, sort of american stand-ups is that when they get together and riff off each other it's pretty brutal and horrible and they're just <laughs> cutting each other down at every possible opportunity and that doesn't quite fit with the tone of this piece. They're all friends and really at the end of the day, they're sticking up for each other. And perhaps it just, it lacks an edge because of that. <laughs> like they're all just pulling their punches slightly. Mm. But, but they in Grown Ups too, they didn't even bother really to, to do any jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I found it really interesting how, how many people in this film there were who... I didn't realise, you know, just do the Adam Sandler film circuit. There were all these people, it's like, oh, I recognise that face. Well, you know, oh, I've not seen them in 10 years because I last saw them in an Adam Sandler film in the 90s and that's all they've done since. There were, you know, that guy from um, one of the, the main group of friends, I forget his name, but he's in, is it Airheads or Benchwarmers, whatever that <laughs> film is that you made me watch, Alan. And What did he look like? <laughs> and I'll tell you who it is. He's the guy who goes surfing on top of the bus oh, in yeah, an yeah, inflatable yeah. dinghy. It's and then... um, Nick Swardson is his name. Yeah, like I've seen him in things, but... I forgot he existed because I haven't seen him in anything anything without Adam Sandler for a decade. He had one shot at his own film, and I'm trying to remember what it was called. Ducky, oh, 
What was it? It was about him becoming a porn uh, star. Bucky Bucky Larson. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Bucky Larson, born to be a star, which is, of course, a Happy Gilmore. Uh, it's not a Happy Gilmore. Is a Happy Madison production, uh, Adam Sandler's production company. So there you go. To pays to be Adam Sandler's friend if you want to make your own film. I think that's my favourite part of Grown Ups Two is the the Happy Madison logo because it has the guy <laughs> from uh, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> sort of pop up and it remind, reminded me of that film and how film. much fun it is <laughs> <laughs> did you really not enjoy any part of the film though so surely there was I'll, I'll be honest i'll be honest i was really surprised at how enjoyable i found this film like i didn't i'm not going to say i enjoyed it but you know there were there were jokes that worked for me um i think there was a moment that made me laugh out loud i can't remember what it was but i will have written it down in my notes somewhere i oh here I we are i found it it's, um there's a bit where i think it's when john lovitz is hijacking the um like aerobics yoga class as yeah. he's like a janitor who's pretending to be the instructor so he can make all the women slap themselves on on their yeah. butts and stuff um there's a bit at the end of that scene when he's rumbled where a kid just runs up and bites him on the leg <laughs> and uh that made me laugh because it, it just seemed really <laughs> really bizarre detail and <laughs> I, I don't know if that's like a callback to the first film because that kid bit some more people throughout the film as it went on but no that 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 child is a pregnancy in the first film right so it's not in it but um, i i did laugh a couple of times out loud and but i was laughing i at this sort of, I can't believe they actually just did that. I did that as well. I, I, there was a line that made me laugh out loud because I couldn't believe that was the the joke they'd gone with, which was yeah. uh, when the two policemen were looking at this, you know, attractive blonde woman at the uh, school recital, and uh, the line I wrote down was, "I want to arrest her for disturbing the peace." in my pants. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think like you said, that's the first take, the first idea. <laughs> yeah. At least I feel like that was a knowing, a, a character doing a bad joke. I hope like, so. The character isn't funny. That, that I think that's the idea. <laughs> okay. I couldn't quite tell with this film. There were a lot of moments like that where it's like, is that? Yeah, I think you're giving them too much credit, Alan, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the only the only legitimate laugh I had was when they get attacked by the frat boys or whatever, and Chris Rock says, "I can't believe nobody's even scared of a black guy anymore." Damn you, Obama! And that that was the one laugh I got. That's a good line. That's funny. There's a couple lines though. I think that just the pure delivery is good. Mm. John John Lovett saying, "I'm having a wonderful time," will always slay me. It doesn't matter how many times I see that. I will always love it. It's so good. Well, that, that, I think that the whole John Lovett's thing. I think yeah. when when John Lovett's first turned up and he's doing the aerobics class, uh, and it's obviously the creepy guy getting them to bend over and stuff. I, I said, I thought to myself, I bet this goes nowhere and has no relevance <laughs> to anything. And indeed, I was absolutely correct. That they do a little, a very vague, like callback to it, like you just mentioned. But yeah. I, I, that's every scene that came up. I was like, I wonder if this will pay off in any way other than in this very moment. Is this setting up anything? And very rarely was it was it doing that. Is John Lovitz playing that character in every Adam Sandler movie? Because I remember that he's he's like a pervy guy at the start of Little Nicky, from what I remember, who gets you know. He's 
being a peeping Tom, and then he gets killed and sent to hell. So this is basically what John Lovitz does with his career, isn't it? It's just well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess everything I've seen him in, he he kind of pops up for a scene that doesn't really make sense, and you know, steals the show and then leaves pretty much. But I don't know. Is is there a kind of Sandlerverse going on? Because um, what's his name? Rob Schneider plays that guy who shouts, "You can do it!" in all his films, and yeah. Steve Buscemi certainly played, um, was he called Crazy Eyes in several of his films? Although he's yeah. a different guy in this one. Rob Schneider's not actually in Grown Ups 2 yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. He's in Grown Ups 1, but then yes. we don't talk about what happened with Rob Schneider, but something happened. I genuinely don't know what happened. I think they had a falling out. He had his own sitcom for a while. It's like he sort of tried to... Yes. I've watched all of that, too. That, I cannot <laughs> I cannot stress to you. So Guy and I have watched all of... It's called Real Rob. It's on Netflix. <laughs> if you have even a cursory interest in television production, it is an insanely entertaining watch. The first season... Is so there's so much wrong with it, but this is just such an interesting detail for me. The color saturation on it is off the charts. Like it's amazing <laughs> that it made it onto the platform. Everyone looks like they've got radioactive eyes. Like everyone's just got these glowing <laughs> green blue eyes. It is it's a bizarre show. Well, like, yeah, the the fact that Rob Schneider is missing is a pretty big deal, I think, because he he is in Grown Ups. He's one of the Grown Ups. You know, he's one of the main cast. Mm. And according to the internet, anyway, they didn't fall out or anything. He was just busy doing something else. But the fact that they never even mentioned <laughs> the character, they don't, they didn't get him in for a couple of days yeah. just to do him one scene. They don't even have like a photo of him on yeah on screen. Yeah, at that point. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's it does seem an odd choice. But they've worked together since, so obviously, oh, have they? You know, mm. yeah, he's in the ridiculous six. He's one of them. Oh, okay. so. Rob Schneider is visibly a tough hang. Like all those other guys, I think get <laughs> on really well. There is um, there's an interview junket that they're doing, and I'm trying to remember what it's for. If it, maybe it was the Ridiculous Six, and so it's on. They're like they're on Conan at one point, and you've got Sandler, Kevin James, I think Chris Rock's there, uh, Nick Swardson's definitely there. And Rob Schneider's just at the back. And at one point, Rob Schneider just goes, I feel like I'm in the audience. Because he hasn't, like, got a joke <laughs> in with the fellas. And it's the most fucking heartbreaking admission of not being in the in-group I've seen on television before. Even in Grown Ups, even the character that he plays, he's the one that they don't particularly like. <laughs> like, they're, yeah. like, they're old friends and they get on, but he's the dickhead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they just can't hang out with I'll, I'll, you know, speak to that in that, you know, I, I kind of, as, as much as Adam Sandler, you know, doesn't care anymore, I have a real soft spot for him. There's a warmth that comes, you know, from him on, on screen. I, I really like Chris Rock. Um, even Kevin James, who I don't really have any reason to like, you know, has some degree of likability. I've I've never watched Rob Schneider in anything and thought, yes, that's a, a talented individual <laughs> who deserves to be in front of the camera. And, you know, when I was watching these Adam Sandler movies as a, a teenager, I was also watching The Hot Chick and uh, The Animal and all the, you know, Rob Schneider is XYZ films he was putting out. Yeah. And they, they never, even as a kid, I could kind of tell, yeah, this guy isn't uh, operating on the same level as his friends. <laughs> they were very successful, though, those uh, those yeah, Schneider movies. Yeah. Like, Deuce Bigelow, just, it, it, you know, purely anecdotally, as a kid, I can remember being a huge 
playground hit, you know. It was a big <laughs> one when I was very early into high school. Everyone raved about that. And I, I think those movies did, maybe just the first one of Deuce Bigelow, but like Deuce Bigelow and The Animal from memory, they they made coin. People went out and saw them. Oh, he yeah. kind of he did have a high point of his career. It was a very long time ago, and I think it was quite briefly lived, unfortunately. I wonder how much South Park killed his career. <laughs> Grown Ups too. I mean, I, I've made a surprising amount of notes here, but it really is just jotting down, oh, I can't believe so-and-so yeah. is in this film. What are they doing? Well, that, that's it. I, I <laughs> thought, you know, the idea of watching this film every week for a year is obviously insane. But having watched it, there's so much here to deal yeah. with. There's, yeah. There's so, like, I think I could get 50 hours of material out of this film. <laughs> like, because there's so many little things where like, how, why did they just do that? I can't believe that's a thing. Give me some examples, Alan. Go off. I want to hear you get into this. <laughs> We start if you, if your film in the first ninety seconds has a CG idea pissing in your face, that I think you know you're in for a couple of hours of <laughs> hardcore social realism. You might know you're a redneck when you open your film. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the most amazing thing about that opening with the deer is how long it lasts. The just well, not just that, but the justification for it is that the kid left the front door open. So of course that means a deer walks in the house, up the stairs, and starts pissing on Adam Sandler in bed. <laughs> it's it's quite a leap that you know. And I mean, they go all in on it. That scene lasts yeah. so long. It's not a throwaway joke. Oh, it runs all the around house. the house. Oh, and everybody pisses panic. On everyone it, it breaks into the shower pisses on mm. a kid in the shower it manages to run around the house without breaking anything apart from just knocking a couple of things off the side uh, almost as if it wasn't really there and they just <laughs> a couple of fishing lines oh come on alan suspend your disbelief a little bit brother <laughs> but i mean can't you just let a deer loose in a house that wouldn't that be funnier ultimately <laughs> couldn't find a unionized deer in la unfortunately <laughs> Yeah, there's no in-between with the moose. It's either stationary or CGI, <laughs> or it's hell for leather, but there's no no middle ground. Um, another <clears throat> line that I couldn't quite tell what level it was working on, and I enjoyed it, but I don't know if I was laughing at the film or with the film, was um, at the end of that scene, the, the, the stag, the deer, the moose, whatever it is, um, has got a load of laundry on its antlers. and Just, so, just a, a single bra. A single a bra. bra. So it's Adam Sandler's wife's bra, uh, Salma Hayek, and the postman turns up and says, he high fives Adam Sandler and says, "Is that your bra, Mrs. Fader?" Yeah, like that's not a, a joke even. <laughs> no, it's just saying she's got really good tits. Yeah, I, th- I, I got that a lot. I was sort of like, I, that was it. I was sort of laughing at the, at the, I can't believe this is happening sort of thing. But you know, let's, let's give it to um, well-known comedy actor Salma Hayek. She seems a little bit out of place, but she seems to hold her own. She does Isn't all she right. she in um, 30 Rock? No, she's done quite a lot of comedy by this stage. Oh, well, like, I don't know, around Grown Ups 2's release, but present day, right. 2021, she's done tons. She's done... Um, other films with Adam Sandler as well, I think. He kind of brought her into right. the Sandlerverse uh, to do stuff. I I think she's pretty great, personally. Yeah, I think yeah. given the material I... that she has to work with and given that she's not from the same sort of background and pedigree as some of these other mm. uh, women who mm. are in the picture who are like Saturday Night Live alumni, you know, yeah. professional mm. comedians, stand-ups and improvisers, I think she does a pretty admirable job of <laughs> dealing with the dastardly Adam Sandler on a holiday. 
making a movie. <laughs> There's a scene with uh, with Salma Hayek. She's opened up a little fashion boutique or something like that, and she has a woman working for her. And we so we have a scene where that woman who I recognise, oh, I've seen her in Saturday Night Live things. Shiri Tiri. Or Tiri Shiri. I always get it the wrong way around. She, we set up that she has some backstory with Adam Sandler. And, of course, I assumed that would go nowhere. It was just a standalone scene about this weird woman. But they do bring it back later on, twice. Doesn't go anywhere. Doesn't, doesn't actually pr- provide anything. But she comes back a couple of times. Uh, and, and then they connect her to Steve Buscemi, who's already been established as a character well there you go that went nowhere no there's connective (laughs) tissue alan they're in a relationship what more do you want i i would argue that this film has roughly the same story structure that once upon a time in hollywood has which you know was lauded with oscar nominations and things quentin tarantino not by me it wasn't (laughs) i hated it but it's kind of i'm with you alan I walked out of that. There was. I'll just say this about that that picture. I walked out of that being like too embarrassed to say that I really didn't like it. But I was like, the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's it's the same kind of structure in that basically loads of stuff happens that isn't remotely connected, and then they remember, oh, we need to kind of bring it all together at the end, and then there's a big kind of fight scene where everything <laughs> all pays off and it all kind of goes right. Okay. Well, payoff is perhaps a bit strong. Um, yeah. Where it all gets referenced again. Do you think Quentin di- didn't? He got kind of writer's block. He'd written himself into a corner, and he chucked on his tried and true Grown Ups Two Blu-ray, and he went, "I've got it. You this know, is how I'll end my movie." This is exactly the sort of weird wild card film that would appear in Quentin Tarantino's top ten of you know two thousand and thirteen <laughs> or whatever it was. He always has a weird bad film in in the mix that he you know really latches onto. Didn't he? Am I imagining this? Didn't he want Adam Sandler to play? the bad oh he did in, in, he uh, did in glorious bastards. bastards yeah 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 that was it which i can see like that does seem like an adam sandler role who did he want him to play the the bear jew they call him he, he ended up being uh, played by eli roth in the end i think wow so he's the one of the little tr- team who is like the big guy who just storms in is really aggressive. with a baseball bat so very adam sandler actually yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, you know, well, you know, he, he recognises talent and his, his big thing is revitalising, you know, failed careers, which is what that would have done for Adam Sandler, probably, had he taken that. Well, maybe not, but certainly would have given him a bit of credibility. <laughs> Adam Sandler's doing fine. He's doing fine. <laughs> I think Adam Sandler... Like- he's... He's, he's in a movie jail of his own choice, isn't he? Yeah. And he can come out, and he does every now and then. He's on house arrest, but it's a very lax house <laughs> arrest. Like, no one's yeah. really checking. And he put himself there. He just walks outside with his oversized basketball t-shirt and his long baggy <laughs> shorts on, and no one pays it much mind. And they're like, oh, nice to see you again, Adam. I'm looking at a list of Happy Madison productions, right? So this is... Yeah. This is Adam Sandler's films that that he's in some of them, but he's the one making the money at the back end of all this. He's the oh, producer. Yeah. And the vast majority of these are making a very solid profit, even yeah. if they're crap. Like the Even Jack and Jill made a serious amount of money. I remember it being a big, you know, not not quite scandal, but all these film sites, <laughs> you know, reporting, oh for God's sake, it's made loads of money. <laughs> And in fact, one of the few films here that didn't make a profit is Funny People, which yeah. is the good one. So, you know, there's obviously no, there's no lot. Quality doesn't equal money in Hollywood. You know, it, it's not about that. But ultimately, you'd think long term that 
mm. you know, there has to be some end to that because people stop going, oh, I like Adam Sandler films, I'll go and pay and see that. They go, oh, Adam Sandler films are actually quite crap. I won't go and pay and see that. But that doesn't seem to happen. It just seems that people just keep watching them. I mean, I don't want to go too, you know, disparaging towards the general public, but I I think these are largely quite crowd-pleasing films for the lowest common denominator. I think people go along, they, they want to see a load of stars on screen. They get that. If you're there with a big group of friends, or... One of the worst things is being dragged to a, a, a film that, you know, is an, an actual kind of artistic expression of something, but you don't like it, or it doesn't work, and, you know, you're sat there like, oh, this is terrible, but my friend's enjoying it. Whereas with something like Grown Ups 2, you know, it might not be great, but I think everyone can just sort of sit there and take it in, and that probably goes a long way towards... I feel like if I watched Grown Ups 2 with a group of my friends, it'd be like if I watched a sex show with a group of my friends. <laughs> like, afterwards, you might get some kind of base enjoyment out of it, but you wouldn't be able to look each other in the eye, you would have to just go home. It would be a bonding experience. You wouldn't you be able think? to go for a drink afterwards or anything like that. <laughs> this is collective trauma. And then someone would bring it up at a wedding speech. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I, he, he's got a brand and it seems to be as strong as ever, you know, for what it's doing. It's just, you know, it's not for, he's not making these for us, Alan, I think that's... Well, do you know what? I'm looking at, I'm looking at this list of Happy Madison productions and it does seem like in the early years he was making crap films with his friends in them and now he's just putting himself in them as well <laughs> like that seems to be the crucial difference between the early 2000s and now so like his the first one they did was juice bigelow then little nicky but then you got joe dirt which is a david spade vehicle the animal that's rob schneider master of disguise oh wow which is <laughs> i didn't know that it was a happy medicine film apparently according oh. to this wikipedia list it, wikipedia it tracks. Doesn't i i guess he was trying to launch all his friends careers and and he did and a lot of Ways. At this point, they've all just settled into a... The, the thing is that you've got to appreciate about what Sandler's done is he has supported a lot of people. Like, it, it, it's not just the stars and the comedians, but there is a whole production apparatus around him that every time one of these movies spins up, they get paid again. I have a huge suspicion. I think this is based on, like, sparse bits of evidence that Guy and I have received over the years of people, you know, um, feeding stuff through to us and just things I've watched in interviews and that. I think he really looks after people who are part of that crew. And I think he's got a lot of families relying on him now. Like, this is the machine <laughs> he's built. There's a lot of grips, you know, sparkies, camera assists, <laughs> focus pullers, editors, yeah. sound designers who... It, amongst their other work, they know that they've got a good bankable, not too challenging payday because they've got a, a Sandler film coming up. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm looking at the other scenes I've made a note of here. I've written down ice cream poo scene. A classic. There's a scene in the film where they go to a like a food stall and the guy is trying to fix the ice cream machine. Yeah, it's chocolate ice cream. He sort of yeah, it's chocolate ice cream, which you know, as you do, soft serve. Uh, whippy chocolate ice cream and he, he kind of climbs on top of the machine so that he's pressing down on the, the lever and it looks like ice cream's coming out from between his legs and it looks wild. like he's shitting soul it's a good yeah. gig it's a sight gig <laughs> we can all enjoy the sight of colin quinn celebrated stand-up comedian and tv personality <laughs> colin quinn looking like he's taking a big sticky dump into a tub <laughs> <laughs> For at least 45 seconds. <laughs> it's just 
it's the way everyone passing by stops yeah. and looks like whoa what's going on it's, ellen i will give you that yes. it, it might go on a smidge too long <laughs> <laughs> it, the, the way this film is edited it has the feel of a, a movie that's struggling to get up to 80 minutes which they're like contractually <laughs> obligated to do but it's yeah. actually quite a long film for a comedy it's like uh one hour 41 or something so it's a very weird approach they take with stuff like that. I'll tell you another big difference between this and the first film as well. The first film has a lot of stuff with the kids in it, but really more focused on how, as an adult, you relate to your kids and the different approaches to parenting and all that sort of, and the problems that come with that, mm. which I imagine is very relevant to people. I have got kids myself. But I'm sure that Adam Sandler, you know, he's got kids and, and it's all kind of part of his kind of, he's bringing his truth to comedy. In the second film, the kids are mostly there just as props. Mm. There's a couple of older boys who are now old enough to carry a couple of scenes by themselves, but they know they don't really go anywhere. And I don't think Kevin James actually interacts with his kids at any point. <laughs> his kids are in it, yeah. but they're like hanging out with Adam Sandler's kids. And it, like he he does it in one scene and one scene only. He walks in. Uh, where his wife is desperately trying to homeschool their kid very unsuccessfully with basic oh, mathematics, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he basically calls his son a dumbass in a you know a way that would go <laughs> over his head, and then calls out his daughter who's wearing some um, particularly flashy boots that she has decorated herself. Oh yes. So yeah. it's basically he walks out, he goes fuck you, fuck you, and then he <laughs> goes to work. <laughs> What I really do like, I guess we get it more in the first film, but what I really like, and this goes for real life as well, is when people raise their kids in a certain way so that they behave and then hate them for it. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like you teach your child that, you know, confidence is more important than accuracy, especially when it comes to basic mathematics, and then get annoyed when they can't do mathematics. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then the girl, the the girl turns up, and she's she's a teenage girl. She's like thirteen or something. She turns up with these boots on that she's made, like with fifty nine pieces of flair on them, and and the I I think like oh this is gonna go. Someone's gonna bully her for having stupid shoes, or they're gonna love the shoes. She's really popular. They do. Her dad bullies her for having stupid shoes. <laughs> yeah, it's just basically oh, it's it's, it's basically a, a forty five year old man going oh kids, eh? I don't understand. <laughs> But the funny thing is, what you've just described is sort of the classic sense of comedy born of the tragedy of the human condition. We are the engineers of our own sadness. <laughs> we are the ones who set up all of the conditions which create the effect that frustrates us. And that is kind of pure comedy and tragedy. But it's it's like you've taken the meta-analysis and it sounds really good on paper it does not translate that well in growing ups too, I can assure you. Dear listener. Can we talk about Nick Swardson a bit? Because he he is probably the biggest element of this film that is new, as in not in the first film, and he never feels quite connected to the others. He's not there to replace Rob Schneider, but they've obviously got a lot of faith in him to play the idiot and, and to do all the pratfalls. And maybe it's just like, oh, Kevin James can't fall over anymore. He's, <laughs> he's kind of <laughs> he's too old. But he's doing all the physical stuff, really, mm. and playing the, the fool. And we first see him, he's the school bus driver, and he's intoxicated on, on some kind of medication. And so, you know, as you would as a concerned parent, you, you help him cover that up. You don't report him to the authorities or anything. <laughs> of course. 
But good news is Adam Sandler has an LGV license and f- is fully insured uh, <laughs> to, to, to drive children around. So he takes over. He also hasn't got a job anymore. None of them have jobs in this, is that like... Or at least they don't have jobs that they have to go to on this particular day. One of them's, uh, like, a cable guy? Chris Rock works for the cable company, yeah. Yeah, and he's, we see him tormenting an old woman not doing <laughs> well, his job. Well, that's his mother-in-law. That, if, if you've got to pay such close attention to get this, but that is <laughs> right. his own mother-in-law. Well, right, that's it. If you, that guy, if you guys had so done the homework properly and watched Grown Ups, <laughs> you'd know she's in that. And so I recognised her because I watched them back-to-back. But, yeah, the... Isn't he, Adam Sandler a cable guy in that Pixels movie as well? I think so. And then Kevin James has a job, but also doesn't actually go to the job at any point. <laughs> the school, the kids are all in their last day of school, but don't yeah. go to school at any point. Apart from it's the last day, you don't go on your last day. Yeah, you, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and then drink. David Spade has a son, a twenty-year-old son, who turns up. <laughs> that he never knew about, sends him to school with some 15-year-old. How do you enroll a child in school for one day, <laughs> the last day of summer? Wouldn't they just go, look, don't bother? Uh, we, we see the kids going down to the creek and, and hanging out, and the the dads all go along independently as well, and then they get accosted by uh, the kid out of Twilight, the werewolf one. Taylor Lautner. Taylor Lautner. <laughs> do you know what, right? There's there's the germ of a really good idea here. The, I think they, they, they grasped on something. This group of adults going back to when they were kids, like, oh, it's the last day, it's the day of summer, you know, it's reminded of our summer holidays. We used to go down the creek and jump in the quarry, and you remember you could ne- you never were, you were always too afraid? And then it just goes nowhere, and you could relate that to, oh, now our kids are doing that. Our kids are the same mm. age. Oh, aren't things different to when we were kids? Oh, no, maybe they're not that different. Maybe I bonded with my son in a way I didn't do yeah. before. No, none of that happens. They just get no, bullied they just by some dickheads. Some frat boys. You're so right about that. They they create the setup for that to happen and then just fumble the ball. And they could, they could so yeah. easily have made that <laughs> juicy human moment and they just don't. And then they... Uh, they all get naked and have to yeah. jump off this thing. And they don't manage to get any comedy from nakedness. How can you get four middle-aged flabby men naked and not get any comedy out of it? There's a detail I really like. And again, I don't know if it's intended as a joke or if it's something <laughs> weird that happened on set or what. But yeah, they all get naked and jump in the creek. And Kevin James still has his shoes and socks on. Which implies that he took his shoes and socks off to get naked and then put them back on to jump into the creek. Which is such a weird... It's comedy, baby. ...detail, yeah. (laughs) That is pretty funny. I think it's pretty funny when Kevin James uh, comes down as the sort of fat man, for all intents and purposes for the jokes among the group of friends, Mm. and lands on top of David Spade, and then they joke about how David Spade has entered... Kevin James. Yeah. That's funny. That's it. That's, Isn't that funny? Is that what comedy is, guys? I've lost track. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a level one joke as well. Like, you know, it's just... <laughs> I, I've made another note of a joke that actually made me laugh, and I actually legitimately enjoyed, which is... Um, Steve Buscemi, it turns out, is a driving instructor. He's giving one of the kids a driving test, and um, then... A load of older kids. So that kid was pretending to be drunk earlier to fit in with these older kids. Yeah. And then a load of them pull up alongside him while he's taking his driving test. And so he pretends to be drunk. He's like, oh yeah, I'm totally drunk uh, to them through the window. And then Steve Buscemi looks at him and says, Taking your driver's test while intoxicated? 
And I don't know if I was so starved for comedy at that point or what, but I laughed out loud. It, it was, you know, it was a good delivery, I think. I yeah, think that's yeah, yeah. Pretty weird joke. It was a good joke. I think that was funny. Well, I, I, that, that, that kid who is one of Chris Rock's character's children, I guess, he's an interesting one because on this day, it's the last day of school before summer. He goes to school. Uh, he's we see him at school. Then he go to the quarry and have some and pretend to be drunk because you know what sixteen year olds are like. They don't want to get drunk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then they they pretend to be drunk and and touch women. And then he takes a driver's test. And then we don't see him. He's not at the party, is he? Does he turn up at the end? He, he certainly doesn't a point do where anything. He asks a girl out. Is that him? Or is that... No, that's his sister getting asked out by someone else. Who, who's the kid who Adam Sandler gives like a three-point checklist of how to? It's get... Adam Sandler's son. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that goes nowhere. He do... yeah, he asks her out, but that goes nowhere. That's the payoff. That's the setup payoff, Fallon. That's the whole. <laughs> that's the structure there. He took his dad his dad's advice and it worked. That's your, <laughs> your story arc uh, scene out. That young man is a, a former child star Disney kid who tragically passed away a couple of years ago of like a oh, weird heart really? thing. Yeah. Hang on, is that him? No, he's the other one. I think he's the younger one. Oh, you're right. That's the yeah. The older one is the one who goes on the date with Becky. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, died when he was twenty years old. Said. And not even in a cocaine fueled binge. It was not just a fun you know, one. medical problem. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He was still actually successful. So the, so the film kind of, it all culminates in this party that they've been talking about mm. throughout the film. And it, it's like a barbecue, but then loads of people turn up who weren't invited. It's a fancy dress party, and I assumed the theme was music, because um, everyone's dressed up as a musician from like the 80s. But then mm. I did notice someone dressed up as Indiana Jones and Donald Trump at one scene, like they, yeah. like the costume designer, you know. The theme was eighties, and as someone who's seen the movie fifty, literally fifty-five times, I can tell you, you did wrong, soul. The theme was the nineteen eighties. <laughs> well, I, I assumed it had to be the eighties when I started seeing those people, but it's it's really skewered towards musicians. It's like ninety percent people dressed up as musicians. And Donald Trump, Indiana Jones, and a Smurf. I think they're the only people who... Oh, and Hulk Hogan as well, actually, to be fair. Is it Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is there? Uh, aren't the Smurfs from the 60s? <laughs> Isn't that... oh, it's just because the guy got painted 80s. blue earlier on and they just had to make it work. Yeah. Funnily enough, Alan, this is the, the, the second film in a row that we've spoken about on the show that features people dressed up as Smurfs. <laughs> we'll have to do the Smurfs next. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a big fancy dress party, and it basically just doesn't go anywhere until all the frat boys turn up and has start a huge fight with them to give us a kind of third act climax. You know, it the film really does feel like Avengers Endgame in that it is just like every single... Star from Hollywood you could possibly imagine turning up one after the other throughout the film, and then they all have a big fight at the end. <laughs> but the structure's not really as impressive this time round. I did notice actually. I don't know if Tim, you might be able to speak to this, but um, it seemed like they had about three punch sound effects that they just <laughs> used over and over and over again in that fight scene at the end, often one after another, just the same. <laughs> It's insane that they dwelled so much on that final fight scene because they made the 90-minute mark, which I think we can all agree is the finish line for something to be counted yeah. as a movie. 
Um, but instead they dwell on this fight scene. The choreography is very bad. If you mute that scene, it, it is truly terrible. And if you watch anyone in the background who's doing the fight choreography, it's laughably shocking. Like people aren't even getting near to connecting with their punches. It's just, there's a whole, we, a guy and I have spent a long time just absorbing ourselves in the background actors during that final fight scene, looking at the nonsense they're up to. It is a sight to behold. <laughs> I mean, the scene doesn't... I thought they're not just going to all have a fight where literally everyone, not just sort of dickhead men, but wives, children, pets, are all getting involved in this fight, which is a proper physical altercation. I thought it was yeah. going to like play out in some ironic way, but no, they're having to have a big fight. They all get punched, and then obviously they don't get hurt or injured in any way because yeah. it's a film. And then it's just like, oh yeah, we've had a good cathartic fight. We've we've honor is served and we can go on with our lives now. I couldn't shake the feeling when I was watching it of you know if this happened in real life it would be really unpleasant. There'd be you know it would be trending on Twitter. There'd be videos on phones going round of like this horrible altercation between a load of frat boys and, and it's you know it's hundreds of people. It's to give the film credit they didn't skimp on extras. There's loads of people on screen. It's a big fight. It, it's like yeah, they're a... all Adam Sandler's family, though. It's like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's presumably where they, you know, said to everyone, "Oh, you can be in the film here." Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, that's that is the end of the film. Um, it just kind of ends. There's no real wrap up because well, there's no real plot. Sam Hayek's pregnant. We learn that. Oh, true. Yeah, I forgot about that whole plot line. I, I and then the uh, the music played over the end, which really really um, surprised me because it's it's the music you use as the theme tune for the worst idea of all time. And <laughs> I never quite clocked that's why you use that song at the start. It's like oh my god, there it is. I don't think we ever like explicitly. S- oh, maybe we did. I don't. We probably did actually, but I can't remember if we made much mention of the fact that that's um yeah what we were playing but there's an ario speedwagon song called ironically uh love every moment love every day which we thought was just the perfect thing to keep (laughs) telling ourselves as we kept wasting our time reviewing this movie again and again and again i mean fair play to them They, they figured out a way to be very successful yeah I, I will say, you know, as I say it, when I looked up Grown Ups, I'd given it two out of ten on IMDb. That's not one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when when I came to rate this one, I gave it a three out of ten. Look at and you. And I don't know if that's just that I... <laughs> I don't know if that suggests that it's somehow more enjoyable or just I went into the first one with a really bad mood because I knew you liked it, Alan, I think. Maybe you were just expecting it to be a, a real film and then by the time you get to Grown Ups 2, you were like, okay, I know this is going to be nonsense. I was expecting the absolute worst and I was surprised at how just kind of... I could just let it wash over me. It was one of those. It was like, oh, this isn't completely and utterly terrible. But yeah, I give it a 3 out of 10. Uh, Alan, what, what would you give it? Well, I also gave it a 3 out of 10. Uh, but in okay. relation to Grown Ups, I gave Grown Ups a 5 out of 10. Because it right. was still watchable, even though it was a bit lazy and crap. But it was fine. But yeah, this is just shoddy really i don't even know why i gave it three to be uh, <laughs> just that kind of likability of some of the actors tim if if you had to one <laughs> yeah i think that's fair valid yeah so grown-ups three do, do we think that's something that will ever happen do, do we think i bloody well hope not because i promise that <laughs> if they make it guy and i have to watch it for two years in a row <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, wow. I mean, I, that is incredible, because, you know, one year round is 52 times, and then if I remember correctly, you did a few extra Yeah, we kind of, of fucked it, up the it? timing, because we went to Los Angeles to do the final episode, we did a bit of a tour around the state, so we ended up watching it too many times. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, that's so many times to watch a film. You know, I, I, I produced a film a while back, and like even even that film that I was sat in the editing room for, you know, different cuts and so on, I don't think I watched it 52 times. Even with all the screenings and so on that I had to go to, you know, it was maybe, I don't know, maybe 30 times at a push. Like, 52 is a lot. I don't think I've seen any film 52 times. Yeah, I definitely think we've seen Grown Ups 2 more than anyone on Earth, including the editors, to be frank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely more than Adam Sandler. If you detect a note of um, pride in my voice there, you are mistaken. It is shame and embarrassment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, presumably you are now the person who's seen Grown Ups 2 the most out of anyone. (laughs) Because you've seen it once more than Guy now. I have a funny feeling I... I text Guy because I think he fell asleep during a watch. So I like text him a a punishment watch. So maybe we're even now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That does ring a bell actually, yeah. Grown Ups 3. I mean, I, it's not even worth talking about what they could do in Grown Ups 3 because the answer is they don't need a plot. They've demonstrated yeah. that. They don't seem interested in plot. All they'd have to do is get everyone together to Adam Sandler's mansion for a, a week. Every scene in this film, or not every scene, but most scenes in this film feel like, you know, oh, John Lovitz, for example. We've got John Lovitz for the day. What are we going to do with him? I don't know, it takes them about, you know, 40 minutes to set the cameras and lighting up. So while they're doing that, we'll just workshop something, figure it out, and then he can just riff it. Should we Should we tell the other actors to act like real women would in this situation? <laughs> no, no, that won't be funny. <laughs> tell them to act in an extreme... Exactly. If they acted like real people then the scene might become, you know, very dark and unpleasant in a way that would, you know... Oh, yeah, it would reveal what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Tim, for, for joining us and Thank for enduring, uh, you know, going back to this trauma from your, your life again. It's been nice to talk to talk to you both. It has not been nice to revisit this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to do it for us. Of course. Is there anything you want to plug while you're here? Um, New Zealand, as as at time of recording, is in lockdown uh, for the first time in a little while. We were all good for a bit, and then we've gone back into lockdown because Delta came here. So I've brought back a um, streaming comedy and art show called Happening um, that I did in the last lockdown. And if you want to see the silly nonsense that I'm doing, playing games with my friends, um, playing people's submissions, people are making like short films and animations and sending music in. We're just having a virtual hangout and, and doing that. You can go to happeningshow.com to check it out and i will say we we um we have a fair few australian listeners for whatever reason so i'm assuming you probably go over there to do a bit of stand-up when uh, things aren't locked down tim yes when we can i will just say to our australian listeners tim is a very good stand-up comic his, <laughs> his stuff's very good so you know when things are open again keep an eye out for him he's he's well worth uh, Cheers, so. uh checking out See you soon, cobbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. Bye, guys. Bye.